0: When some of the uh, hippies were looking for a better world, they thought maybe through uh, just becoming open-minded, through art, through drugs, uh, there is a way that we could bring about an age that would be uh, beautiful and that would, we would make love, not war. And when those people came to faith in the 70s, many of them became the leaders for the next several decades.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you're gonna hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission and community and discipleship. Today's episode is from one of our coaching intensives called Made for Mission, where we coach others on how to practically live out the command of Jesus to go and make disciples in our Western context. So if you want to learn more about A Thousand Houses or check out some of our resources, visit 1kh.org.
0: One area of huge confusion for Western believers is what are you supposed to say when a spiritual conversation emerges with a person of peace? And what we are really trained to do or think about is immediately initiate a conversation about eternity or heaven or hell or get them to say a prayer. And what's interesting is that in Luke 10, Jesus tells the disciples, when they get into a conversation with a person of peace, to announce to them that the kingdom of God has come near them, which is a really interesting way to start a conversation. And I want to like think about what that looks like today and why it's really important for us to maintain this same story that Jesus was encouraging his disciples to begin to sow all over the Galilee uh, region during their different missions to find people of peace. Why was it that he said, quote, Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. I think the number one reason why Jesus wanted them to have this as the first message was that, was because people of peace are already seeking the kingdom and don't know it. If you think about what's going on even in that little village, why did that person of peace go to the town square and invite those disciples into their home? Why do they want to show this radical hospitality? Why do they want to listen to a message that's coming in from the outside? The thing that's really unique about those families or those people or those individuals who are people of peace is that they have a level of openness and they're seeking for something. But that is not what most people are like. Most people are really escapists. They're like, please tell me how to stop thinking about big picture things, ultimate things, things that might change the world or change my life. I don't want my life to change that much. I want to kind of stay the same. A lot of Christians have this basic attitude. And so they don't oftentimes find themselves easily connecting with people of peace who are looking to make the world a better place, who are looking for a better story. And so those are very different kinds of people. And when we're looking for people of peace, it's important for us to give them a message not just about what's going to happen in the future and in our afterlife, but to talk to them about the compassion and interest that the Father has for the world as it is, that the kingdom of God is coming and is moving, and they are looking for that kingdom. And that is still true today, that that is the way that people of peace are often wired. They want to hear a message of hope. They're looking for a message of hope. Now, what's really challenging is that in the church, in places where the church has been around for centuries, oftentimes what begins to happen is the church becomes uh, very associated with those who are most conservative in the society, people who are really interested in conserving or keeping the things that were going on in their past the same in the future. And of course, there are always things that can change. We all see that there are elements that need to be improved in society. And so there becomes almost a war that begins to emerge over time between those who are Christians and those who are seeking a better, what oftentimes is called a utopian society. They have kind of a dream that maybe the world could be a better place. But what a lot of Christians don't realize is that the message of the kingdom is a utopian message. It's not one that's that's going to be brought about by our efforts. It's one that's going to be ultimately brought about when Jesus reigns as the King over the earth. That's the way the story begins to culminate in this chapter of the story. And so we we are really we have a lot in common with those people who hope that society improves, that hope that have this idea that maybe there is a totally better way to live. Uh, and so it's not a great idea for us to. Uh, have a message that puts us completely at odds with those who are looking for a better future in in this life and for our world. Uh, But that is what's happened in a lot of Western countries. And so there's a great deal of hostility uh, towards Christians for those who are seeking a better kingdom, which is really ironic and really frustrating. So who are those people? How do you look for those people who might be people of peace? The thing that's amazing about a lot of these people is that Those who have kind of utopian dreams, even if they're very confused and have very bad ideas about how to bring those things about, if they come to faith in in Christ, they oftentimes will completely 100% throw themselves in to following Jesus and spreading the news of his kingdom because they have already uh, sacrificed and have put so much of their hope in making the world a better place. Whereas if you see sort of an escapist come to faith, somebody who's like, I want as little to do as possible. Tell me the, the least I need to do to be a part of uh, Christianity so I can kind of check that box and maybe get my get out of, get out of hell free card and then I'll be done with it. Those people don't, do not tend to change the world. They don't tend to have a multiplying impact when you see them come to faith. And so it's really important to figure out who are these people of peace who are seeking a better kingdom. Now, as you think about who these people might be, I want to throw out some some ideas, uh, just from different decades of groups of people who had a utopian vision, and oftentimes when they went, this tiny percentage of them came to faith after they became disillusioned in those ideas that they were investing in earlier. Uh, they had a huge positive impact on the church. So we see that, for example, in the 60s with the hippies mo- hippie movement. So when some of the uh, hippies were looking for a better world, they thought maybe through uh, just becoming open-minded through art, through drugs, uh, there is a way that we could bring about an age that would be uh, beautiful and that would we would make love, not war. And when those people came to faith in the 70s, many of them became the leaders for the next several decades. Uh, in the 70s there was a group of people called the New Left and they were the people that oftentimes, often the, many of them came out of the hippie movement but they began to organize politically. and uh, But they were looking and trying to build a, a, a better kingdom. And then in the 80s there was a group of technologists. These were people who believed that if through the improvement of technology, uh, through kind of an iterative process, we would begin to see all kinds of human problems just go away. Problems with poverty and starvation and disease. And so many of these people um, became major leaders of society uh, in the decades to follow. In the 90s, there was lots of people that were in movements of deconstruction. They were looking for a real foundation uh, for where to put their hope and what kinds of truths uh, to begin to trust in. Um, In the early 2000s, after the attacks of 9-11, there was lots of people that became uh, obsessed with this kind of... Thing that you saw on the bumper stickers coexist like why can't we just be tolerant of all positions let's create the utopia by just accepting everyone and all kinds of different truths and then uh, in the 2010s we saw this emergence of an obsession with identity affirmation and that maybe what would bring the utopia is if everyone that had sort of their own unique uh, I, I, individual expression, if they could kind of group up, uh, be affirmed, and then they could be, we could share power amongst these different identity groups and that to this day is a really big deal and it's really become a huge part of what we've seen in beginning in this decade, which is really the anti-racist movement uh, where people are saying, maybe we can for once and for all get rid of racism and maybe that's the root of so much of the moral problems in our society. If you look at each of these ideas, all of these ideologies, you're gonna probably find things that you deeply disagree with in a lot of these ideas. But the one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that the, the people that are sacrificing for these movements that will participate in a protest or will, will uh, write blog entries or post things on social media, these people are very serious oftentimes about seeing a better vision of the future. Now they may have lots of selfish reasons you may wanna critique, But what's really bizarre is that we would set ourselves up in opposition to people that are starting these kinds of movements as Christians, instead of announcing the kingdom of God. What's interesting is these are the kinds of people that Jesus attracted in the disciples. Most of the disciples were part of some radical movement. We know that Peter, James, John, Andrew, Nathaniel, many of the early disciples had already left their work life and went to join John the Baptist before they decided, decided to follow Jesus. We see that in in the early part of the Gospel of John. We see that there was a zealot that was following Jesus who was a political radical. So what little we know about some of the disciples and their backstories, virtually all the backstories we know, uh, except for maybe Matthew, was from somebody that was a political or a religious radical. Why is that? And what's interesting too is that right after Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended, the first question the disciples wanted to know is, Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were obsessed with this message about the kingdom of God. They wanted to see something radically different transform reality. And they continued to preach that message all the way through the Gospels and into the book of Acts. This was the story that they were really excited about. And we're not going to win these kinds of people peace by telling them stories about how to escape the problems of this life. And so how do we reach a kingdom seeker? What do they want to see that opens their heart to the message of the Gospel, and to the message of the Kingdom of God. So there's a few things that they oftentimes will look for, and it's really important to be sensitive to these things. Number one, they want to see that you have compassion for hurting people. If they see that you are writing off people very quickly, and that you're enjoying privileges yourself, That immediately suggests to them that you don't really care about transforming the world in such a way that helps people that aren't like you. They begin to have the impression that really you're your own little group and you're just trying to get power for your group. You don't really care about the world and you don't really care about people that have uh, struggles that might be considered beneath you. A second thing that they want to see is a sign of the kingdom. One of the things that Jesus says is, heal the sick. They want to see tangible evidence that the kingdom of God actually makes a difference. And obviously, there's nothing better than showing them a sign of the kingdom like healing. But there's other signs of the kingdom that are all throughout the Bible. Another one is the sign that is the loving Christian community. When they see that Christians are are willing to sacrifice uh, their their different preferences to love one another, that is a huge sign that there's a kingdom that will give hope. And lots of times, people of peace are very attracted to seeing expressions of community where there's a lot of sacrificial love going on. Another thing that they would love to see is humble service. When they can see you humble yourself in a way that really you're saying, I'm going to serve people that that have less than I do and that I care about things in society that are actually hurting those people that kind of humble serving is something that very is very interesting and attractive to people of peace effective action is also important to them if you see uh, elements of your city that need to be transformed for the sake of those who are hurting and they they see that you're getting behind those things and you're not just trying to get people into your group but you really care about effective action then that is something that's going to attract them and the final thing is they want to see a meta narrative of hope they want to see, okay, what's the big picture behind what you're describing? And how is that actually going to uh, change the world in some powerful way? Do, do, do I see that if I believe in what you're describing and others come along and believe, then what will that do to the world? You know, and if you can start to paint that picture for them, which is what the disciples were doing when they were saying to the people of peace and to their household and to their friends, the kingdom of God has come near you. It's a bigger story of hope. And what that does is create this place where people belong and where things can be transformed and where we we can strategize effective action, all these things can can begin to happen. And a lot of people have left the church because they don't see those things happening. Unfortunately, in a lot of places, the churches that are very escapist in nature are actually repelling people of peace, not just people of peace that are outside, of faith in the gospel, but even some people that, that believe in the gospel and don't understand how the kingdom of God is supposed to happen if we don't actually do things that could transform uh, the the systemic problems that exist in societies. And so we want to be really sensitive to how do we find these people of peace? How do we begin to develop uh, friendships with them? How do we begin to uh, have common cause with them? And therefore, will that give us a platform through which we can announce the kingdom of God? And so that is a really important Uh, sort of lens through which to see how the people of peace uh, work. So one of the basic ways to think about and kind of sum up everything I've been describing here is that we need to tell a better story. When those disciples were walking to the village they had the best story, the story that everyone that really wanted to see the world transform into a better place, they had the story that they really, those people even had hope in. The kingdom of God has come near you. So when you meet a person of peace Are you going to be announcing the the coming of the kingdom of God and how that begins to and will and is changing people, not just in society, but from the inside out, that has the power to change the heart of people? That is something that people of peace will be very interested in hearing about, they'll be attracted to, and that'll give you a place where you can share the gospel. But we need to make sure that the gospel we're sharing is a gospel that is centered on the story of the full kingdom of God, uh, not just on how it impacts me as an individual. Well friends, thanks for listening to
1: today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you're feeling a yearning to learn how to make disciples in the West, we just want to invite you to join our Made for Mission Coaching Intensive where we combine online content and personal coaching that's going to provide you with the teaching and the tools and the encouragement that you need to actually see disciples made in your context. So for more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, Go to 1kh.org/slash made permission. We'll see you for the next episode.